Good evening and welcome everyone. My name is June Kelly and this is the midweek podcast for Mavilla Presbyterian Church on Tuesday the 20th of July. It's great to be with you this evening and I trust and pray you're all keeping well. As we join in fellowship, I trust you will be richly blessed as you listen to this podcast. The Reverend Paul Bailey will be bringing his message and it is entitled Small But Mighty Practical Love. Love is a wonderful free gift. It's free to give and it's free to receive. And God's love is pure, trustworthy, constant. He is the love of our lives when we accept him into our hearts. He has promised us eternal life with him. Your name is engraved in the palm of his hand. And despite all the wrongdoings we commit, God still loves us and he has got us covered with his love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 to 8 has these words to say about love. Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or conceited or proud. Love is not ill-mannered or selfish or irritable. Love does not keep records of wrongs. Love is not happy with evil, but is happy with the truth. Love never gives up and its faith, hope and patience never fail. Love is eternal. As we reflect on these amazing words of scripture, let us come before our loving God in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, let us praise you as you're a powerful and loving God. We cannot imagine the depth of your love, but we thank you that your love is perfect, your love is patient, your love is kind, your love is not jealous, and your love is forever. Lord, we cannot earn your love by our own good deeds. We just need to love you and love others as you have loved us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your Son to suffer on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and we could have eternal life with you. Lord, we give you thanks for your faithfulness. You never abandon us and you are with us as we travel along the earthly road, giving peace and comfort when we meet hardships. You're the one we can turn to. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the gifts and the blessings that you shower upon us each day. You provide all our needs and we pray that we will use this, these gifts to serve you and be a witness for you. Lord, keep us strong in your faith. Keep our eyes focused on following you. When we stray away, take us by your hand back into your fold. Lord, fill us with your grace and mercy that we can be a shining light and reach out to others in your name. Lord, if we are broken and bruised, you have the power to restore and heal. We are never without hope and we can rest in your grace when we have faith in you. Heavenly Father, we know that you are pleased when we come before you in prayer. Even with the simplest of words, you will hear all and will answer to the good of your people. Lord, we bring all this before you now, asking these things in your precious name. Amen. We are now going to have an item of praise called Creation Sings the Father's Song, written by Keith and Kirsten Getty and performed here by Jonathan Ray. Sings the Father's song. 
friends, this is Paul Bailey once again, bringing the third of the four podcasts uh, this July. And I want to say a big thank you once again to the Reverend Robert Hamilton for permitting me uh, to do these podcasts. So tonight we continue this little series on small but mighty, and we're continuing to look at these very tiny books of the New Testament that have mighty and important messages. And tonight we come to the epistle of Third John. And as I've done in the previous two weeks, because the epistle is very short, I'm going to read it to us now in its entirety. So we hear the word of God. The Elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, 
even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people, so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So, when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so, and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We will also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Amen. And we pray God's blessing on the reading of his word. So, friends, let's just think about some introductory issues as we approach this epistle. Uh, If you listened to last week's podcast on 2 John, uh, some of this will be reasonably familiar to you. And I don't want to repeat at length what I said last week, but briefly this, that first of all, very few people would seriously suggest that 3 John is not written by the Apostle John. There are very strong stylistic links between the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. It uses a lot of the same language, the same imagery, the same theology. So really, As I said last week, you have to be an exceptionally sceptical person to actually seriously doubt the authorship of this epistle. In terms of date, most scholars believe that John was writing towards the end of the first century AD, somewhere between, say, 85 and 95 AD. So, so far, very similar to 2 John. Where it begins to differ is to whom it is addressed Whereas Second John was addressed to this anonymous dear lady, and we discussed last week whether or not that was an individual or, more likely, a church, this particular epistle of Third John is very much directed towards an individual known as Gaius. Now, you might then ask the question, who was Gaius? And we don't know. Gaius was a pretty common name back in those days. But we can tell from this epistle that Gaius was a church leader and he's somebody that the Apostle John rates very highly indeed. Why does John rate Gaius so highly? Well, it's because 
Uh, again, simply put, Gaius is walking in the truth, and this leads him to sound doctrine and sound practice. In other words, he believes the right things, and he does the right things. And that's very important in the theology of John. We discussed this last week, but let's just revisit this briefly, that John is very keen to integrate the theory and practice of Christian belief. Okay, It is not enough to just believe the right things. You have to practice the right things. It is not enough just to practice the right things. You have to believe the right things. If you have your Bible handy there, you will see in verse 4 that John says it gives him no greater joy than to hear that his children are walking in the truth. And what he means by that, walking, in other words, practicing the truth, and that is sound doctrine and sound practice. But as we look into this epistle, we see that here the Apostle John is primarily focusing in on correct practice rather than correct doctrine, because certain practices at the church that Gaius is leading or helping to lead have both encouraged and discouraged the Apostle John. Let's delve a little bit more deeply into that now. Again, if you have your Bible open, look at verses 5 and following. Writing to Gaius, he says, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, again, if you were listening to last week's podcast, we explained how in those days the means of gospel proclamation and propagation was really by sending out preachers. And we know, for example, of how the Apostle Paul and his band of helpers went all across the Mediterranean world. The same thing was happening with the, the other apostles. They, they, they preached themselves, but they also had followers who went out and preached and brought the Christian message uh, all across the, the Roman Empire. Evidently, the Apostle John himself had his followers who he was sending out to the churches. And they probably would have had a twofold mission that when they went to an established church, they would have tried to build up that church. They would have tried to edify it, to teach it deeper doctrine and all those good things. In addition to that, they would then have gone into the surrounding community to seek to spread the gospel to those who were yet unaware of the claims of Christ on their lives. Now, the thing is that these traveling or itinerant preachers, they weren't going to a certain town and staying in a motel. They would have stayed in the houses of fellow believers and would have relied upon the hospitality of those believers to carry out their ministry in a given location. Again, we spoke about this last week in regard to Second John, because John was warning people not just to receive any old person, uh, lest you actually give help and succor to those who are spreading false doctrine. But now what we're talking about here in Third John is John is commending Gaius because he and his people have been welcoming the right people. They have been welcoming John's preachers and extending wonderful hospitality to those itinerant preachers in order that the gospel 
might grow and thrive. We will think a little bit more about that when we come to apply this particular message at the end of this podcast. But suffice just for now, we note that Gaius and those who followed him gain the thanks and admiration of the Apostle John because they're exemplifying his understanding of the Christian life. Their belief is correct and their practice is correct. Because they believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they show love and help towards their co-workers in the gospel. But then in verse 9, we come to a totally different kind of man, a man called Diotrephes. And again, if we want to speak in very simple, basic terms, Diotrephes is the body of this particular epistle. He has nothing good going for him. In fact, he is doing all kinds of things that are wrong. Let's have a look at what Diotrephes is up to. It is interesting that the very first thing that the Apostle John speaks about Diotrephes is that Diotrephes likes to put himself first and foremost. In other words, he's somebody who enjoys power and authority, and as we will then see, he misuses that power and authority within the church. Now, we need to be a little bit careful here because the Apostle John is in no way suggesting that it is wrong that the church have leaders. Obviously, Gaius is a leader, but Gaius is a good leader. Diotrephes is a bad leader. It's not explained to us here how Diotrephes got into his position of power or why he remains there, but the unfortunate fact of the matter is that he is there and he is a bad leader. If there's time, I'll maybe say more about this at the end of the podcast, but very simply put, the scriptural model of leadership is one of servant leadership, of the good shepherd kind of leadership that is supremely exemplified by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. As Christ teaches us, the shepherd lays himself down for the sheep. The model of leadership that we find right across the scriptures is one of sacrifice, self-sacrifice, not self-aggrandizement or, putting it more simply, bigging yourself up and enjoying that power. But not only is Diotrephes enjoying that power in a totally inappropriate way, he is further misusing it. Because what he is doing, as John outlines in this epistle, is that he is deliberately seeking to frustrate the activities of John's itinerant preachers. In other words, those people who have been sent out to spread the gospel and are expecting to receive hospitality from the church are in fact being frustrated and turned away by Diotrephes and those who Diotrephes controls. And as a mechanism of control, Diotrephes is actually expelling church members who are seeking to do the right thing and assist these itinerant preachers. And I think by anybody's standards, we can recognize that this is a scandalous situation, that a church leader is actively seeking to frustrate and halt the work of the gospel. It's not entirely clear why Diotrephes is doing what he does, although perhaps there is an element here that he has a personal dislike 
of the Apostle John. Because you notice there that John says that Diotrephes is spreading malicious nonsense. In other words, malicious lies against the very Apostle himself. So there seems to me to be a very strong hint here that Diotrephes is actually a wolf in sheep's clothing, a false teacher, a heretic who has made his way into the church and is insidiously spreading his poison amongst the people of God. Immediately after pointing out what Diotrephes is up to, John finishes off his epistle here with a mention of a different gentleman known as Demetrius. He doesn't tell us a great deal about Demetrius, but what he says is glowing. Demetrius is well spoken of by everybody, even the truth itself. In other words, Demetrius, like Gaius, is one who is a person of theological truth and who lives out that truth in their lives through acts of love. In the time remaining to us, let's apply the teachings of Third John and see how they can impact our lives. But if you want to sum it up very rapidly, it's very much be like Gaius, don't be like Diotrephes. We read in 3 John verse 11, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but do what is good. In other words, John is saying to Gaius, don't be like Diotrephes. Don't act the way he acts. And in addition to that, I think this is a warning to us from the Apostle to be on our guard against people like Diotrephes. If Second John is a warning against those who pose an external threat to the church with their false teaching, then Third John is in many ways a warning about those who pose a threat from within the church with their false teaching and their false practice. The scriptures teach us, by their fruit ye shall know them. And if someone is indeed frustrating the work of the gospel, if someone is standing against mission and ministry and seeking only their own interest and seeking their own power and protecting their own privileged position and abusing the people of God in the process, that person is clearly a false teacher, a false leader, a wolf within the flock. I pray you never come across anybody like that. I would say in my 25 to 30 years that I've served in the church, I've only come across people like that maybe once, maybe twice. But the point is that the Lord himself warns us that such people exist. So do keep your eyes peeled for those who are actually from within the church seeking to destroy the church. Anyway, let's move away from these warning notes and move to something much more positive. Let's think in a bit more detail now about the Apostle commending Gaius and Demetrius. Gaius and Demetrius are people who actually live out their Christian faith day by day in practical action. And we do do well to remind ourselves of the teaching of the Apostle James, who exhorts us not just to be passive listeners to the word, but to be doers of the word. We need to be very careful indeed that we do live out our Christianity on a day-by-day basis. There is always a great temptation, and it is a temptation, 
to compartmentalize our faith so that it is just for a Sunday, or to entirely individualize and privatize that faith so that we keep it to ourselves and it is limited to our own private home life. But that's not the way we are called to live. Our life is meant to be completely infused by our Christian walk and our faith. It should be obvious to the world around us that we are following the Lord Jesus Christ. So let us be doers of that gospel imperative. And I think that general theoretical point is then borne out by what the apostle is saying in this epistle, because he is commending Gaius and those who follow him for their practical support for mission. They sacrifice helping strangers who they don't even know to bring about gospel proclamation to those who are lost and perishing. In many ways, this makes me think of Romans 10 and what the Apostle Paul says to us there. He reminds us that we have a wonderful message of salvation to proclaim, and some people are called into that work of going and proclaiming the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But he also says, how can they bring that good news if they were not sent? How can they bring that good news if they are not practically supported by the church in their gospel ministry? And I think we can learn from these various passages that all of us have a role to play in gospel proclamation. Some are called to be preachers, some are called to be teachers, but others are called to pray and to give and support. And very much what we're seeing here in Third John is that strong commendation for those who sacrificially support the work of mission and gospel proclamation. So let's make sure that we are doing that. There are countless opportunities for all of us to be engaged in supporting mission, whether it is overseas mission or whether it is mission more locally. But the point is this, none of us should be disengaged from supporting mission. So let us remember, therefore, the words of 3 John verse 8. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality or support to such people so that we may work together for the truth. And so, my friends, on those twin notes I'm going to leave you, do not imitate evil. Do not be like Diotrephes. Do not oppose the gospel. But rather, be like Gaius. Walk and work together with your fellow Christians in the propagation of the good news of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Stop.
one of the elders in Movilla Congregation. The praise we have just listened to was called For the Cause by Keith and Kristen Getty. We will now come to prayer for others. Father God, we come to you today with thanksgiving for your daily provision and protection. We thank you for your love and the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we may be set free from sin and look forward to eternity in your kingdom. We acknowledge you as sovereign, the creator of the universe and of all things in it. We love you, Lord, and worship and adore you. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit interceding for us, Lord, as we bring our prayers of intercession for others before you. 
We lift up those in our church family and the wider community who are grieving the loss of loved ones, those struggling with isolation and loneliness, and others facing financial hardship through these trying times. We bring before you those who are sick, either at home, in hospital, or needing residential care. May they know the love and healing of your presence with them, Lord. For all those undergoing medical tests and procedures or waiting for test results, may they know your peace surrounding them. We remember our minister Robert, his wife Gillian and the children before you and ask for your blessing upon them during their summer break. Grant them your peace, rest and protection. We pray for the NHS staff and all who care for the vulnerable in our communities. Grant them courage, compassion and hope in the difficult and trying circumstances they face each day. As government restrictions are being eased, we pray for wisdom and caution in our day-to-day routines to prevent further spread of the coronavirus. As schools finish for summer holidays, we ask for your protection over our children and young people as they meet together socially. As we make plans to prepare for a virtual summer outreach programme in August, we pray that you will lead and guide us by the Holy Spirit. For the wider world, Lord, we seek your compassion and healing. The nations of India, Nepal and Brazil continue to suffer great loss of life and much heartache through the coronavirus. We ask, Lord, that in your mercy you will comfort the bereaved, heal the sick and bring the love and peace of Jesus Christ into these areas of hopelessness. We pray that many will come to faith in Jesus Christ and that your name will be glorified throughout the nations. In recent days we have had changes both in the UK government and the Northern Ireland Assembly. We pray for Geoffrey Donaldson as he seeks to unite the leadership team in government. Grant him wisdom and guidance as he puts his trust in you. We pray for peace in our province over the summer months and protection from violence. Heavenly Father, we remember before you our brothers and sisters in Christ across the world who are suffering persecution. We ask that they would be strengthened in their faith and be aware of your presence with them. We come to you, Lord, remembering many who have lost loved ones in the recent tragedy in Miami, Florida, with the collapse of a high-rise building. Please, Lord, bring comfort to the bereaved and grant courage and guidance to the emergency services who are working on the ground in such difficult conditions. We pray that your spirit of conviction will move in all nations, drawing many to faith in Christ, and that the people of Israel will recognise Jesus as the true Messiah. We pray for the newly elected Prime Minister in Israel, that he will govern wisely and with integrity. Lord, we ask your protection over each member of our Mavilla Church family and their loved ones. Keep us in your care throughout the week. It is in the precious and loving name of Jesus that we bring our prayer and petitions before you. Amen. We will now close with the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.